Hen night is what the British refer to. Apothecary, apotheca, Was one of these people British? <laughs> no. no, you know what they call Fanny back over there? If you were to say Joe Blow in Britain, they would look at you funny. I was very thirsty as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and I have saved the most important one for last, Kurt. Jolly, 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 jolly good show, Johnny boy. Hello, everyone. This is another edition of Smart Drivel. I'm Kurt Schneider. I'm John Ellenthal. Did I detect a little British thing going on there, Kurt, in your intro? That was an attempt. Yes, it was. The reason why, John, and I'm not going to talk like this the whole time because my accent is terrible. By the way, my family makes fun of me whenever I travel overseas. I speak English with an attempted accent. So if I go to Italy, I'm like, so could we have a little of the pasta today? Maybe we want this. And an embarrassed- Why would you possibly do that? Is there any reason besides making yourself and your family embarrassed? I just can't help it. I mean, I don't mean to. And then if I'm in England, I'll say, oh, should we nip into the little pub for a quick pint? And I'll stop everything on the up. Your family must be terribly embarrassed when you do that. They are. And it happens all the time. But today, John... We're going to talk about the land where we got our language, which, of course, I'm referring to Britain. Yes, that's what they call it, English. And we're going to, but what we're going to do is talk about English and American, because while the languages have the same root, they do not always have the same spelling, and which will lead to a lot of interesting conversation, they also don't have the same meaning for words. Yeah, I think when you look at the languages carefully, you realize that these languages have a lot less in common than you might think at first. Talk about it today, then. Let's talk about it today. I'm sure you have a couple of favorites, given your propensity to speak English with a British accent. So what are a couple of all-time Kurt Schneider faves that they say in England, but they don't say it the same way here in the U.S.? Well, it's funny. We have tinfoil here, but actually, it's not made with tin anymore. It's made with aluminum. But in England, it's aluminium. Yeah, that is a really fun one to say. There are certain words that are simply fun to say, and aluminium is one of them. I have one also that is a different word in British English and American English that is also very fun to say, and that is they refer to the eggplant as the aubergine. Yes. Which sounds a lot tastier. And I mean, the food, there's a lot of those, right? So rocket salad is arugula salad. You have crisps, which are chips in American, but you have chips, which are French fries. Speaking of potatoes, are you a big fan, Kurt, of jacket potatoes? Yes, I do like jacket potatoes. What do you put in your jacket potato here in the U.S.? I put sometimes butter, sometimes sour cream. Sometimes I do not put the fake bako bits that we grew up on. That's good. In my house, we use salsa in our jacket potato. I encourage you and our listeners to give that a whirl. And of course, they have uh, milk and biscuits where we have milk and cookies. And when you're feeling like you need a snack in the U.S., you're hungry. But in, in England, you're feeling a bit peckish. Yes, a bit peckish. So it's interesting. By the way, this topic came from one of our listeners. So this is a shout out to Colin. Thank you for giving us this topic. Which is Kurt, pretty, are you wearing a jumper? I'm not wearing a sweater right now. I'm wearing a sweatshirt, but a jumper, yes, would screw you up. And then if you, earlier today, I did put on my trainers to go outside for a walk. 
You know, when I first learned how they said sneakers in Britain, I learned it as plimsolls. Now, trainers are more common, but if you were to do one of those Google searches, I bet you'd find plimsolls as well. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Plim? L-I-M-S-O-L-L-S. Why? Why what? Where does that word come from? Britain. It's another way of saying sneakers. Do you not know what we're talking about? I know, but plimsoll sounds like a Pim's cup, which is a great drink. But you don't think there are lots of words in British English that seem like they're really far from the American word? I'll give you one. You mentioned many, many episodes ago that cotton candy was invented here in the U.S. by a dentist. Yes. You know what they call that in England? I do. Candy floss. Yes. Which would, be, which would be a good fit sort of for our oxymoron episode because candy and floss is more of a dental care word here. But candy floss is what they call cotton candy. In now, not to offend our British listeners, which we probably are with this whole episode, but in the past, because it's a stereotype, we could have said British dentist was an oxymoron. That is a fair point. <laughs> so, uh, by the yes, way, I do think we offended our British listeners, but I think it was worth it, Kurt. I just thought. And this has nothing to do with British English or American English, but... Well, you're on brand then, Kurt. Do you know where ceviche came from? I'm guessing neither Britain or America. So you know what ceviche is, of course. It's I do. raw fish that's cooked with citrus and things like this. Lots so, of citrus. So the Incans, and the Incans, by the way, only ran Peru for a hundred years. But boy, what an impact, huh? We think that they were there for thousands of years, only hundreds. But the Incans, they were known for their messengers. And that's how they could control the entire country for the first time. Guys would run 10 miles and 10 miles and 10 miles, and they would get messages across so they could be consistent throughout the land. Well, one of the kings is sitting, and he's sitting in their inland headquarters, I guess, the capital, and he wants fresh fish. Problem is, the sea is about 200 miles away. So he sends his messengers, guys running. They get it all the way there. People start running back. Well, guess what? The guy who was on mile like 110 running back realizes, oh, shit, <laughs> this fish ain't too fresh anymore, and I might lose my head for this. So he's looking around where he is. He's in the jungle. He finds all this citrus, squeezes it all on. It sort of cooks the fish, and that's how he gets ceviche. Occurred. Can you do me a favor and remind yourself what the topic of today's podcast is? I want you to do it out loud. <laughs> uh, listen, I was just taking the piss. I don't know what that means. Why don't you tell so, us? If you're in Britain and you say, I'm taking the piss, for us here in America, that means you're urinating, right? But taking the piss in Britain means you're just making fun of someone, having fun at their expense. Okay. Hey, mate, I was just taking the piss. I think here in America, men would say they're taking the piss. I think women would say they're going to pee. Okay. So the other thing is not to be confused with, let's get pissed, mate. Uh, in America, if you're pissed, that means you're angry. But in England, it means let's go have quite a few drinks and get drunk. Let's get pissed, mate. So I think their version of pissed is a lot better. Kurt, let me ask you a question. Yes, Let's sir. say you have the first move in a game of knots and crosses. What do you do? I take my X and I put it in the upper left corner. You don't use the center block on the tic-tac-toe box, huh? Overrated, John. It seems that's what people expect you to do. And if you always do things that people expect you to do, you never accomplish anything, right? I don't I mean, think anyone expects you to do the expected because in the middle of a discussion of the difference between British and American words, you told the origin story of ceviche from the Incans. So you, no one, you have scored on the unexpected, unpredictable scale already. 
No one expected the Wright brothers to invent the airplane. They were sitting in Dayton, Ohio, making bicycle. Just saying. When your kids were really small, did you give them dummies? Uh, we did not. I did not agree on pacifiers because we said, let them go. But they did wear nappies. Can you imagine being a parent during the day that nappies weren't disposable, but they were cloth? And that just sounds like a whole lot less fun. Not that it's fun at all using disposable, but that takes a bad thing and makes it worse. Did you ever walk past the chemists? <laughs> yes. By the way, apothecary, 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 apothecary. You did a nice job of sounding it out, Curry. Apothecary. Well, which is which? Is it a chemist or is it an apothecary? It's both. So they call their drugstores or pharmacy the chemists. And sometimes there's a long queue to pick up your prescriptions at the chemist. Queue meaning a line. Not the kind of line that you confuse with a rope on a boat, but yes, a line of people waiting. You know what has been cause for a lot of confusion when Americans go to Britain and when English people come to America? Oh, it's on the first floor. The first floor for us is the bottom floor. The first floor for British is the first floor. There's a ground level, and so it will screw people up. So you have a flat in New York City in a block of flats. What floor on the block of flats is your flat? <laughs> Say that 10 times. I don't flat. want to. <laughs> flat being apartment, of course. They actually refer to their apartment buildings quite literally as a block of flats. A block. But see, we say a block is like a city block. You're a car guy, Kurt. You have a couple of old cars, and I imagine they need to be taken care of. They need to be maintained. When you have a problem, do you pop the bonnet and see what's going on in the engine compartment? Well, I do, but I go around to the boot, and I open it up, and I take out my tools. You keep your tools in the boot, which is the trunk, and then you go tinker under the bonnet, which is the hood. And when they're not working, I have to take the underground which, of course, is the subway. And in that case, both of those words are good literal descriptions of what's going on, the underground and the subway. So I think both languages get credit for that, except, of course, in Chicago, where the subway is elevated and they call it the L. But in England, they also have the subway. But do you know what the subway is? I do not. It's just a way to get underneath. It's an underneath. It is truly a subway. You walk underneath the street and pop back up. There's no train. There's no place to ride. It's a subway. subway. Yeah. So, you know, when you're on the road, though, and you have what they call their overpasses, they call them flyovers. Well, and some people call that like Iowa and Nebraska and Kansas. (laughs) It's distinctly American. I don't think we have any listeners from there. Maybe we do, but I don't mean to offend. Of course you do. When you're driving... I know we had a discussion about pet peeves once upon a time, and I'm sure there are pet peeves that probably filter through all of our episodes. But one of my pet peeves is when someone pulls up to a stop sign or is about to make a turn and doesn't turn on their indicator. You you mean a blinker? I do. So do you know what's always interesting when you go over to England and you rent a car there? By the way, I had someone when I was studying over there say, you know, Everything's different over here. The steering wheel's on the right side. They drive on the left. The stick shift's on the left side. And then they said, the accelerator and the brake are opposite. I don't think so. I said, how stupid would that be? No one could ever drive in another country if that were the case. This person was not too bright. But when you do drive over there too often, too long, and then you come back here. The tough transition. You go to put on the indicator light and your windshield wipers go because yes, I, I have had I have experienced that problem personally. Do you ever get a cracked windscreen? <laughs> I did the other day. A windscreen is not a windshield, huh? 
it is. Well, it is a windshield here, which is why you need to call Safe Light because they have that whole jingle about Safe Light and Safe Repair. I've actually used them and they're quite good. We'll have a little shout out to Safe Light if you have a cracked windscreen. What's interesting is when you get dressed, right? There's a lot of things in clothing. So we call it a vest, they call it a waistcoat. And by the way, we call things that you wear to hold up your pants suspenders. Braces. Now, I was always told in America, the difference between suspenders and braces, suspenders have the clips and braces have the buttons. So in the early 90s, when I was sporting braces most days to work, I made sure I had the buttons in my suit pants. So I was really doing braces. I would never be seen, never dare with clip-on suspenders. But in in England... They are braces all the time. Suspenders are the little things used to hold, hold up garters, which women it don't sucks. wear. I'm still trying to get over the notion of you pretending you were Gordon Gecko wearing braces to work in the early 90s. Not only did I wear braces, but you know I wore a fedora. I mean, I was sort of a throwback to the late 19. 19- you are a man lost in time. We still haven't found the right time for you. But the other thing about dressing when we were talking about okay. this, is, and this is an opportunity that people make a mistake often, John, and they laugh at us over there. When we say, oh, nice pants. Oh, they're referring to underwear, aren't they? Correct. Don't really want to compliment someone on their pants. And they, they call them trousers, of course, which actually, there's another thing which is very embarrassing. And my English friend, Nick, the first time he heard it was shocked because we refer to Fanny as your rear end or your butt. But a fanny in England is the female genitalia. Uh, so that you could see how that would be like if someone says, oh, I hurt my fanny or any show. And you could see that that would probably lead to either hilarity, like in the Benny Hill type of hilarity, or kind of embarrassment in the sort of British wry humor. I, I'm, you know, we're always putting ourselves down as humor. So what do they call a fanny pack? <laughs> Garters. No, oh. you know what they call a fanny pack over there? What? Um, <laughs> what was the thing that they used to keep you under a lock and key? That, oh, the, the, um, chastity not, belt. Chastity belt. They actually do have a name for a fanny pack. It's a bum bag. Oh, it's not a chastity belt? Yeah, because bum, of course, you know, is how they refer to the buttocks. <laughs> yes, I do. We were talking about cars. My first car, Kurt, which was not the coolest car ever made, but okay. I was very happy to have a car, of course, and I was lucky, was I had an estate car. Would that be a station wagon? That's exactly what it would be. I had a like a 1977 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser estate car, station wagon, and I think it was brown. And to make it even cooler, I think it had a sticker of wood grain on the doors. Was that the one, what year was it? I think it was a 77. I'm not 100% sure, wow. but how cool was I pulling into the high school parking lot? again? Very grateful to have a car, but yeah. We had a Vista Cruiser in the 60s. And for some reason, in between, not for some reason, but it was kind of cool. I remember the sort of transition from the front to the back up above had like four inches of a little window. Isn't that called a head a headliner or a, what do they call the upholstery on the underside of the roof of the car? In Britain or in America? Here in the US. I think it's some sort of headliner or something. So my buddy in college, his wife was a teacher at a private high school. 
And he was the soccer coach and the drama teacher. One day his wife gets up and she says, oh, I'm so sick. I cannot teach class today. You have to teach my class. Right, John? So he says, all right, I'll go. I'm not really a teacher, but I'll teach your class for you today. What's the subject? He said, we're doing journalism and newspapers. He says, right, journalism, newspapers. And he says, what am I telling them about? She says, you're telling them about the interest catcher. So he goes into this class of kids, says, when you're writing an article, the most important thing is the inner sketcher. And he talks about the inner sketchers, the first paragraph and how it gets your attention and how you have to get your... He comes back. She says, how was the class? He said, great. She said, did you teach them about the interest catcher? He said, no, I taught about the interest sketcher. <laughs> was one of these people British? No. Again, why are you telling this story, Kurt? Because I was reminded about inner sketcher versus interest catcher and how he heard one thing and said another thing. Well, well, that does speak to the general topic of confusing aspects of language. So, If you were to do well, though, in class, you would get a check mark here in the U.S. What would they call that over there? I don't know. A tick. Oh, a tick. Yeah. But if tic-tac-toe is knots and crosses, why didn't they just give you a knot? Uh, because a check mark is different than an X or an O. That could yeah. be it. I think I figured it out. In the summer, when it's hot out, do you enjoy cooling off with a nice ice lolly? <laughs> a popsicle is an ice lolly. I love that. That's right. And then when so you're taking... How did they take over the entire world? How did the British Empire, the sun never sets on the British Empire, when you're going out into battle saying, excuse me, may I have an ice lolly? I think Not their words make a lot more sense. I think their words are a lot more descriptive in most cases than, than our words. For example, well, I don't have any good examples of that, but that's what I think. <laughs> did you enjoy taking a drink from the bubbler in elementary school? I did, but we called them bubblers here, didn't we? I don't know, but I, I think it's much more commonly, of course, referred to as water fountains. But I bet you there are plenty of Americans who've heard it called. What year was it or what school grade did you go from the old white porcelain ones where you had to turn the, the knob to the up and down Halsey Taylor one, which was like electrically cool, then it was cold and just press that? You knew the name of the more advanced bubbler as well as the mechanical process going on to make the water cold? I was very thirsty as a kid. And you really dug in. When you're interested in something, Kurt, you go deep. Hey, by the way, I actually burned my finger the other night cooking, and I immediately went upstairs because it was a pretty good burn, and I put on a plaster. What is a plaster? Band-Aid? Yeah. A plaster? You've never heard that? No, I plaster my walls. Or when, by the way, in America, we get plastered there, they uh, get pissed. Get pissed. Yeah. Now, a plaster is a Band-Aid in Britain. You ever use the term Joe Blow here, Kurt? Yeah. And what does Joe Blow refer to? Just like a regular guy, just Joe Blow. If you were to say Joe Blow in Britain, they would look at you funny. And not just because you were speaking in a fake British accent and you oftentimes wander off the point. They call that person Joe Bloggs. Joe Bloggs. Why? Who came up with it first? I'm guessing they did. Our John Q. Public, Kurt, is just Joe Public. See, there's that American again, American people shortening everything. Do you know? We made, ours is longer, Kurt. John Q. Public is four syllables, and it's really three things. John Q. Public, whereas Joe Public is just three syllables. The oh, Americans made it more complicated. You know what we didn't make more complicated is giving someone the finger. In the U.S., we give them just one. It's the middle finger. We know, because of a previous podcast from the Battle of Agincourt, that they give two fingers because it is representing the longbowmen in the fight against the French 
and, and when the French would chop off your fingers. Well, it's good that we simplified the FU, so it's easier for Americans to tell each other FU, and we seem to enjoy the crap out of it. So you make something simpler, more people will do it, and the Americans have proven it with that. That You told that crazy off-topic story about substitute teaching. Was the female teacher unable to make it to work because she had been at a hen night the night before? You mean out with all of her friends, women friends? Close. Hen, that's very close. But hen night is what the British refer to as our bachelorette party. Oh, boy. I, you know what? We got that one right. How? how? Hen night. <laughs> oh, my Lord. That would not make it in 2020. By the way, that shouldn't make it in 1920. Now, when you were like 12 and probably when you were 16, John, and I bet dollars to donuts, you wore one of these. Did you? ever wear a polo neck when you were a kid? I did like polo necks for a period of time, <laughs> especially when it's cold out. And I hope we're referring to turtlenecks. <laughs> Otherwise, I answer that question prematurely and dangerously when speaking to you. So we talked about cars. What do yeah. the British call a truck? A lorry, of course. A lorry yep. is correct. And what do they call a lawyer? A barrister. Or a barrister? Solicitor. Oh, a solicitor. Well, of course, we have a solicitor general. But there must be a difference between a barrister and a solicitor. What is the difference? It has to do with perhaps that they wear different wigs. You think they still wear wigs? How cool is that? I don't know that I would call that cool. I mentioned bachelorette party. Do you know what the British refer to as a bachelor party? I do not. They call it a stag night. So a hen and a stag. And I have saved the most important one for last, Kurt. Football? Since you said football, what kits do you think the Giants will be wearing when they take the pitch against the Bears at Soldier Field later today? I don't know, but I think the their boots are all Nikes now. Yeah, boots is another good one for, uh, for cleats. Yes. All right, I've saved the most important one for last, Kurt. Very important question. Yes. When you are doing the New York Times crossword puzzle, do you use a rubber? <laughs> 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 well, first of all, um, you do it in pen. I do it in pen is what I was going to say. Yes. So no rubber when you're using when you're doing the crossword puzzle. You see how these things could get you think it's the same language would get you in trouble. I, I use a rubber because I sometimes need to erase what I wrote. So do you go into the crossword puzzle using a pencil with a rubber on it uh, prophylactically or do you go for it because you might you need it? Well done. I acknowledge the use of prophylactic there. Thank you. Thank well you. Well done. Do you know what word they use for tidbit? Tidbit. <laughs> See? Okay. So there is some common ground left between the two languages. Kurt, we got to wrap up. Is there any last one you want to squeeze in there before we say goodbye for this week? Uh, oh, yes, which we should, because it's another thing that people get all screwed up. We call it private school here. They call it public school. Their That's public school is private. That is very confusing. You know who does not get enough credit? Queen Victoria. Because... Leave it at that. Queen Victoria, of course, is most well-known for her invention of ceviche, which <laughs> here in the U.S. we call ceviche. And neither word is from British English or American English. Kurt, thank you very much. So wrapping up for this week, Kurt and I will be back next week with a brand new episode of Smart Drivel. Until then, we hope your week is filled with Smart Drivel. I'm John Ellenthal. And I'm Kurt Schneider, and I would just like to say cheerio, mate. And do you want to throw in our tagline for our listeners? You know what else is fun? What? We had a nice little chin wag today, didn't we, John? We did have a nice chin wag, and I sincerely hope that means conversation. Smart dribble, everyone, where we promise the dribble.
and hope for the smart. And by the way, check out our brand new website, which you can reach at, not surprisingly, smartdribble.com, where you can get all sorts of information about each episode and tell Kurt and I what you like, what you don't like, suggestions for future episodes, criticisms. A little criticism already might be self Kurt and me, not Kurt and I. I was being colloquial. I was using the (laughs) British English. Of course you were. (laughs) I don't know what the British English is on that. Cheerio. 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 